I want you to get your Bible and I want you to turn to Nehemiah, the gospel of Nehemiah. Remember, you don't have to be in the New Testament to find the gospels, right, Miss Carol? The gospel starts in Genesis and it runs its course all the way through to Revelation. You can stop by any book in the Bible and find the gospel message and the gospel story there. So I'm asking you to find the gospel according to the prophet Nehemiah. And if you don't know where that is, it's okay. Ask your neighbor. Mine happens to be on page 679. As you're finding Nehemiah, let me encourage you uh, tonight's going to be a great, great celebration. We have a baptismal service planned. I don't want you to miss that. Let me switch over here, Brent. Great, great time of, of worship and celebration of new life. And we get to see this right before our eyes, the uh, symbol, symbolism of new life, the old dying, and the new being born. So be with us tonight for our baptismal service, and Pastor Dave is bringing forth the word. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> Nehemiah, chapter 4. Are you there? Verse number 1. So it happened when Sembalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews, God's chosen people. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? This is an idiot talking right here. Trying to talk against God's people. Trying to mock. God's people. Idiot number two speaks up in verse three. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. I want you to see this today. And then Nehemiah steps in and he starts to speak Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Sounds good. Now it happened, verse 7, when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were in fact being restored and the gaps were now beginning to be closed, they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. Come on, say nevertheless. Hallelujah. I love this. No matter what the enemy is plotting, no matter what the enemy is planning, somebody needs to get a nevertheless in their spirit today. 
Nevertheless, verse 9 reads on, we made our prayer to our God because of them and we set a watch against them day and night. Verse number 10, then Judah said, hmm, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. God, you know that there are so many here today who are discouraged. It seems as though they have unpacked their things in this land of discouragement and decided they'll live there. But I pray that today there would be a great exodus, that we would pack up our belongings and decide I'm not going to live in the state of discouragement any longer. I'm moving to another state. I'm going to another land. God, deliver us from discouragement. And show us today the tools. Give us the tools to help us to defeat discouragement. We thank you for it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen today. The devil decided one day he was going to have an auction. He decided to sell off all of his tools that he used against God's people. Lust came up on the auction block, and boy, did it bring a high price. Pride was next, and it fetched even more. Fear, sold. Arrogance, sold. Envy, sold. Jealousy, sold. Bitterness, sold. But one tool was off to the side and in the corner and clearly marked, not for sale. It was the tool of discouragement. As the people of God were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem here in Nehemiah, the men of Judah became discouraged. Today, I want us to look closely at this tool of the enemy so that we might learn how we can deal with discouragement. But I want to take it another step. I don't want to just deal with discouragement. I want to learn how to defeat discouragement. Anybody ready to learn how to defeat discouragement in your life? It's going to affect all of us at some point. If you're not discouraged today, you ought to get on your face and get on your knees and thank God Almighty that you're not discouraged today because there's plenty in this room who are. And unfortunately, I have to tell you this. If you're not discouraged today, brace yourself, prepare yourself. There's coming a day that you will get discouraged again. We have to understand this. We have to be ready for it. I'm wanting to learn how to live a life without discouragement. And when it comes, learn how to deal with it, but how to defeat it. First of all, we need to understand something. 
Discouragement is a curse. Discouragement is a curse. It's not a blessing. If you're discouraged today, the first thing you need to understand is God did not give you discouragement. So if God didn't give it to you, where did it come from? I believe it's twofold, and I hit this last week, but it applies here again. There's two reasons you might be discouraged today. One, because you've made poor choices. And now, see, when we make poor choices, every choice is like a seed. Every choice. Big or small, every choice is like a seed. And we, we, we choose, and when we choose, we plant. We're planting seeds all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, you need a good harvest coming up continually. You better be planting good seeds continually because you're going to need that harvest. But if we make bad choices, we planted a seed. Now, we've asked God to forgive us and, and he's cleansed us and, and, and so forth, but there's still the matter of what we planted growing and coming up and producing. So if you're discouraged, it might be you have to eat the bitter herb that you planted Months ago, weeks ago. So it might not have really anything to do with the devil. Remember, let's not give the enemy more credit than is due him. Sometimes it's just our own selfish nature causing us to choose poorly, causing us to plant poorly, and now we've got the harvest to deal with. That might be why you're discouraged, but there is a real enemy. And he tries to what? What's his job, somebody? Pop quiz. Come on. What's his job? Okay, there's his job description to steal, kill, and destroy. Where is it found? Elliot said John 10.10. Will somebody verify that that's in fact where it's found? Is that right? John 10.10. The thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. There's a real enemy of the soul. There's a real enemy after you, and he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do this? How does he accomplish his job? He discourages us. Discouragement did not come from God. It either was produced from our own selfish desires, our own selfish lust, or it is a factor of our, in the enemy of our soul. Discouragement is the devil's number one tool. He uses it to try to get you out of the ball game. He uses it to try to get you out of church. He get, uses it to try to get you out of life. Give up on life. Linda, I was astounded and, and, and my heart was broken this weekend. I saw a documentary of teenagers who had taken their lives. One wasn't even a teenager. One was 11 years old, an 11-year-old young man who they decided they're going to target and they're going to pick on him and they're going to bully him. They started calling him a sissy, girly boy, faggot, gay, and he hung himself, Susie. They found him in, his, in the closet of, of his home. Discouragement. Wow. Think the enemy's playing a game? He's really not. 
trying to discourage you in your finances. Anybody feel discouraged in your finances lately? He's trying to discourage you in your finances even though you tithe. You get frustrated. You're like, God, I'm doing everything I can do. I'm trying here. I'm, I, I'm giving. I'm trying to be generous. He discourages, he, he discourages people with their children. You raise them in the way of the Lord. You raise them in the house of the Lord. Now here they are living a life that's ungodly. And you get discouraged. Parents, am I telling the truth? Does this discourage you? I would think it would. Especially when you see, you see the Niagara Fall ahead and all they see is the, the white water rafting and all the fun that they're having. They don't see the fall. You see the end of the, the cliff here that they're about to fall off on and all they see is we are, we are uh, four-wheeling here and we're just having fun. The enemy's discouraging you, trying to do what's right. He discourages us with problems in the church. Now, thank God, in 55 years of existence, La Palma Christian Center has never had one problem. Isn't that wonderful? We've been in this, this glorious bubble, and we've been exempt from any problems ever coming. I think La Palma Christian Center has had more than her fair share of problems. I think we've had ours and several other churches' problems given to us. I've felt that before. Maybe every church feels like that. But here we are today. Doors open, church filled, maybe not to capacity, but there's, we're moving forward. The enemy wants us to close our doors. How does he do that? He brings discouragement in. Remember, the church is comprised of people, and until we get to heaven, there's not one person, not one, that's perfect. We'll all make mistakes. Some people just throw their hands up and they get out of church. That discouraged me. I'm leaving. Wow. The enemy just keeps winning and keeps laughing. He discourages us through physical problems. Talking about the curse of discouragement today. Anybody ever been in chronic pain? I have been. Constant, everyday pain. I had that in my lower back. Claudia, you upstairs. There you are, sis. I had it in my lower back for, oh, 20 years, just about, something like that. Unbelievable. And you get to a point where you don't want to... You don't want to tell anybody. They, they know already, so you don't want to talk about it anymore. So you don't talk about it anymore. You, you live with it, and you kind of hide it in your heart, and discouragement grows. There are a couple things I want you to understand concerning the curse of discouragement. First of all, discouragement doesn't discriminate. doesn't matter the color of your skin, Black, white, brown, yellow, purple with pink polka dots. We all will be discouraged. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. The 
Discouragement is not reserved for the poor. In fact, I would say there are probably more poor folk who are happy and have joy than rich folk. I've seen plenty of people with money lose their marriage, lose their friends. Money will not buy you peace. Money will not buy you joy. There are plenty of people with money who are discouraged. It doesn't matter if you're a believer. Wouldn't that be nice that once we come to Christ, we're not discouraged anymore? The opposite is, is true. When you come to Christ, you are in the crosshairs of the enemy's weapon. He's after you. He's trying to discourage you, and he will do anything and everything in his power to do it. Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, he battled depression and discouragement. I don't know if you knew this or not, but he said this, and I quote, I would not wish upon my worst enemy the depths of despair and discouragement that I often feel for weeks or even months at a time. Wow. John Wesley, another great, great preacher of old, was also given to discouragement. It is said that he married poorly, and some even suggested he married the wrong woman. There were times she would drag him around the house by the hair. I tell you what, that would happen once in my house, and I think I'd shave my head. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, don't read into that. Don't let your mind wander on that. I'm just saying. Look at verse number 10. Then Judah said, We are not able. Judah. Now, do you know who Judah is? Judah is the top of the tribes here. Judah is the leader of the other leaders. Judah is the cream of the crop. Does anybody know what Judah actually translates and means? What's it mean? Judah means praise. Here is the praiser. Here is the one that's supposed to be encouraging others, and he is utterly discouraged. Just because you're a believer, just because you're active in ministry, does not mean that you'll be exempt from discouragement because discouragement does not discriminate. Another thing you should know concerning the curse of discouragement, discouragement is debilitating. Brothers and sisters, Discouragement has a way of stopping us dead in our tracks. Can't move. Can't do anything. Can't be effective for God, for the church, for our family. It's debilitating. I love this quote. It says, anyone can do more than a man who has lost heart. Anyone can do more than the man who has lost heart. Back in the days of the horse-drawn wagons, a man was hauling logs. They came to a hill that the horses just couldn't make. 
So the horses gave up. He unloaded half the load, but still they wouldn't try. He continued to unload log after log until he had emptied the wagon completely, but to no avail. The horses were utterly discouraged. They had given up, and they weren't even going to try anymore. That's what happens, Jimmy. That's what happens in life. People come to a, a hill. It's hard. So much on the load that even after unpacking some things out of their life, they've given up. They give up on the marriage. They give up on the children. They give up on the church. But God wants us to stay in the race. Claudia, I had no idea. You had no idea where I was going. We are in a race, and God's calling us to run the race. Keep in the race. Keep in the game. Put your shoulder to the wheel and keep going, keep trying, keep trusting. I want us next to look at the causes of discouragement. How do we get discouraged? Number two, the causes. There are three causes that I found. First of all, they were worn out. Again, in verse number 10, Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing. They're just completely worn out. They were working hard, but didn't seem to be getting anywhere. That's how it feels in life sometimes. You're working and working and working. Are you making any progress at all? Look at verse number 6. It says, so we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together. In other words, they were making some progress here. They finally connected the wall. It was not connected. There were so many gaps. You have to understand, it was in a heap. It was in ruins, rubbish. They finally connected the wall, but only halfway up, which means there's another half to go. That's just how it goes. When do you get tired of your car? When you're about halfway through paying for it. Mm -hmm. When does the marriage get old? Some say about halfway through. Somewhere between I do and you'd better. <laughs> Students, when does school get most boring? Oh, biology. I thought you were going to say right after lunch. <laughs> halfway through. Do you know the most discouraging time for men? Middle age. Midlife. <laughs> Midlife crisis, right. Many men at this stage of their life, they get discouraged. They look at their body, they're discouraged. They look at their job, they're discouraged. Their goals which have not been achieved, they even will look at their marriage or their wife and they become discouraged. They think it's time to buy a sports car, unbutton your shirt to the belly button and let the world know you still got it. You ever seen one of those? And usually they're hanging a little bling bling around the neck. I'm not getting old. Oh, my back. One guy told his wife when she turns 40, he's going to trade her in for two 20s. 
She just laughed and said, you're not wired for 220. <laughs> the number one cause of discouragement for Judah and possibly for you, they're just worn out. They were worn out physically. They were worn out emotionally. They were worn out psychologically. And I believe they were worn out spiritually because they're all connected here. Folks, I want to encourage you today. Know what your limits are. Learn to say no. Know what your priorities are and keep those in their proper place. If you're worn out and discouraged, you're not going to be any good to anyone. And then you'll have to say no to everyone and everything. The second cause, they were weighted down. They were worn out. They were weighted down. Again, back to our, our text here, verse number 10. The strength of the laborers is, is failing. It's fading. And there's so much rubbish. This is a problem for believers today. We have so much junk in the trunk. It weights us down and we can't even maneuver properly. So much rubbish in our lives. We wonder why we get discouraged, yet we take in so much rubbish. I mean, look at what we view in a week's time. Again, we'll probably need to imagine another church right now because this won't affect very many in this room, but let me go there anyway. Humor me. Anybody here today? Check one, two. Anybody want to hear this message today? Look what we are bringing into our lives every day and every week. We bring in trash. We bring in rubbish. And we wonder why we're sick. We wonder why we're discouraged. We're weighted down with so much rubbish. Garbage in equals garbage out. And you really are what you eat. We eat garbage. We eat the equivalent of manure and wonder why we're spiritually sick. We sit there and never flinch with what they're bringing into our homes. We're weighted down with so much rubbish. Oh, now I'm so discouraged. Is it the truth? I wanted to watch Hawaii Five O the other day. Hawaii Five O's back on. And I'm telling you, it was like a flashback for me. It was so cool hearing the, hearing the theme music. I could see my mom and my dad in the living room, it was, really, it was really cool. I heard that music and it just took me back to the 70s. Steve McGarrett and Dan O and you know, it was kind of just a standard thing. So Daisy was, was around and I said, oh Daisy, I wanna watch this. I used to watch this when I was a kid. I would sit by my dad and I would watch this show. So she sat right by me. Wasn't very long before they, somebody called somebody else an SOB. Only they didn't use the initials. I'm restraining myself because it's vulgar and it's inappropriate. And I did not turn the channel. I, it, it just kind of came up in me and I was offended and I was grieved. And I thought, well, they'll only say it once. 
See, I'm telling you this because you're not the only one who struggles in this capacity, and this is real life. This is real life stuff right here. We want to grow in the Lord, or do we want to stay little immature babies in the Lord? I know you want to grow in the Lord, and I'm going to show you how you can grow in the Lord and how you can get rid of some of the garbage and some of the weight that is besetting you and that is entangling you and that is preventing you from being all that God has called you to be. A minute, two minutes went by, and here it rolls out of his mouth again, you dirty SOB. I said, well, that's it. And I feel terrible that I waited for the second time. So I've scratched the new version of Hawaii Five O off my list, and they'll get no more tries in the Bland Home. And that's how it goes for us. Yet, we, as the body of Christ, sit there and listen to all kinds of garbage every week, every day of the week, and it doesn't even affect us anymore. God help us. God help us. I know some of the senior saints, you, you may not have this issue. Some of y'all, I, I, I'm so thankful for our senior adults and the wisdom that they have and the standard that they set and the, the bar that they hold so high. But please understand there are new ones coming up. They just don't have that same set of standards. And I need you to be praying for them. We have too many believers who are just simply weighted down. But yes, Claudia, you danced all over where I was going. I'm going to still go there because I know the Holy Spirit is in this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I need some runners in this race who are determined that no matter what, I'm moving forward and I'm going to set aside the weight. I'm going to set aside the sin. Run, 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 Forrest, run. Run the race. Let me give you two keys right here into not becoming weighted down. Number one, set aside the weight. Hebrews 12, 1. Number two, Hebrews 12, 2. Look at this. Looking unto Jesus. Come on, somebody. Looking unto Looking unto Jesus, our focus is wrong, our, our eyesight is wrong, we're looking to the boob tube, we're looking to other people, we need to be looking unto Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. You want to live this life without becoming weighted down, get rid of the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you, number one, and number two, just keep your eyes on Jesus. Look unto Jesus. They were worn out. They were weighted down. And number three, under causes, they were wasting away. They were just simply wasting away. But because their focus was wrong, I believe they were looking at the entire project instead of just, this is my section. This is what I'm to do. This is what I was put in charge of. We start looking at, at the whole wall. We start looking at the whole project. We start looking at our whole life. 
will become discouraged. Stay focused on this particular part of the project. They were wasting away. They were listening to the enemy, for one thing. Verse number 11, Judah said, And our adversary said, How many of y'all know if the enemy is speaking that he's lying? I mean, if the enemy's talking at all, he's lying. And he never has a good plan. There'll never be a good plan come out of the enemy's mouth with you in mind. Never. They were listening to the adversary. The enemy had a plan. It was, let me finish. The, our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. They had already heard the plan of the enemy. They already knew what was going to happen. The enemy had a plan. It was to come into the midst of them and kill them. We've already gone to this scripture, which is John chapter 10 and verse number 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We also have an adversary. We also have an enemy. And he also has a plan. It seems like the only ones who don't have a plan are God's people. And we just lay on our side, we roll over on our side, and we just say, whatever's happened is going to happen. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. And we waste away to nothing. Folks, we need a plan. We need a plan. Notice in verse number 10, when Judah, it says in verse number 10, then Judah said, you see that? I don't know if you can find verse number 10 or not. It's not in line right here, but just find it again. Thank you. Verse number 10, then Judah said, I'm going to interject this right here. Folks, we need to be careful what we say. Because when Judah said it, the enemy spread it. The enemy cannot read your mind, but he has impeccable hearing. Did you know that? Be careful what you say. We say things, and I believe the enemy will take hold of the words that we speak and will compound what we're going through. I mean, it's okay that we talk to God about what we're going through, but we also need to be speaking those things that are positive. And the fact that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us and gave his life for us. We need a plan, and part of the plan that we need is to be saying what God says. How many know what God says? It's easy to know what God says. This book is filled with what God says. What God says, he means. What God says, he does. What God says is settled. Part of our plan needs to be, let's say what God says. Let me roll into the cure. Anybody ready to hear about the cure for discouragement? Anybody ready to learn how to not only deal with discouragement, are you ready to learn how to defeat discouragement in your life? Yes. Hallelujah. I don't want you living in this land anymore. Don't live in this state anymore. 
Pack up your belongings and get out of Dodge. Get out of the land of discouragement. Hallelujah. The cure for discouragement. It is threefold. There are three steps that Nehemiah gave his people, and I want to give the people here today three steps for defeating discouragement. Number one, he armed the people. Look at verse number 13 of our text here today. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall and at the openings, and I set people according to their families with swords, with spears, and with their bows. The first thing you need to understand in defeating discouragement is you have to be properly prepared. You know, the Lord spoke to us Jimmy, a few weeks ago about our positioning. I know you and I talked about that later because the Holy Spirit was in it and he especially spoke to you. But too many people are not in the right position. They're over here at the lower part of the wall when they're supposed to be over here at the opening. See? And they're over here uh, at, at, just at random. Playing tiddlywinks or something. And they don't have the family with them. See, he positioned them strategically. Okay, I'm going to set the Tesoi family. Ooh, hallelujah. I'm going to set the whole Tesoi family right here at the opening. Because of your background, because of, of what you've come through, the Lord knows that he can trust you here. The Lord knows that he'll use your background and the struggles that you face as a family. And he positions you and you're, you're in your place comes over here and says, oh, I'm going I'm to position, I'm gonna position uh, 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 the Link family, all right? And I'm going to put them at the lower part of the wall. He's been through so much that there's, there's some other people over here that they can relate. And we've got to get in our position, church. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? We're, it's too many people are just out of their position in, in the church and in the Lord. They're just going through life. Not even thinking about what am I supposed to be doing for the kingdom? What am I supposed to be doing for God? How can I be more effective in these last days? Get in your position and make sure that when you're there, you've got the right weaponry. Don't go into battle without weapons. He said, I positioned them, first of all, but I also gave them the weapons that they needed. I made sure they had their sword. I made sure they had spears. I made sure they had bows. Now what it says? We go into battle without any weapons whatsoever because we're not really recognizing that it's a battle. It is a battle. And of course, we know what the main weapon is here, don't we? You better know it. The sword. How many have your sword with you today? Come on, hold that sword up. Hallelujah. Is it sharp or is it dull? Is it, is it rusty? Is it dusty? Is it ready for battle? Sadly, there are people even here today who didn't think enough to even bring their sword, to even bring their weapon. I don't know how. I, I try to say this as much and lovingly as I can. We already determined there's no guest here today. We're family. This is nucleus. This is, this is the core. I don't know how else to say it. There's a war. There's a battle. There's an adversary. There's an enemy. And we have to be ready. 
Dodie, you hit it right on the head, sis. We're just going through life like there's no real eternity, like there's no real enemy. And then we wonder, why am I so discouraged? He armed his people. Let me read on. Let me go on. I want to get through this. Oh, you need to jot this one down. I didn't have time to really get up on this. I could, but Ephesians 6, 10, 11, 12, 13. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 says to put on the whole armor. I don't have time to go there. i got to move on, but you need that. Get your armor on. Get your weapons in your hand. Get ready to fight. Don't just lay back and say, whatever happens. No. Fight for your church. Fight for your family. Fight for your children. Fight for your marriage. He armed the people. Secondly, he assured the people. I love what he said here in verse number 14. Remember the Lord. Look on verse, uh, line number three. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I think sometimes we forget. We forget how powerful our God really is. We forget how awesome our God really is. And it's time for us to just step back a moment. Reflect and remember. Remember the Lord. He is great. Remember the Lord. He is awesome. In other words, he was telling his enemies, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad is stronger than your dad. My God is greater than your God. Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8 and verse number 31 says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Psalm 54, 4 says, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 18, chapter, uh, verse number 2 says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. Folks, I want you to be assured today the Lord is great. The Lord is mighty. The Lord is awesome. He's on your side. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Find your assurance in God's power. Find your assurance in God's presence. The Holy Spirit. Find your assurance in God's principles, the Word of God. Find your assurance with God's people. How about that? Finally, in the cure, he, he aroused the people's spirits. In verse number 14, again, he said, Don't be afraid of them, they ain't nothing but punks. Ain't nothing but idiots. Anybody that's going to talk about God and God's people, he didn't take it as a, an assault on him. He said, God, they've done this to you. And that's how we should take it. It's not personal. It's on, I'm God's child. I'm God's son. I'm royalty. So if there's an attack on me, it's an attack on the family name. 
It's an attack on the Father. God, they have assaulted you. God, they have insulted you. He aroused them. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And church, there is too much at stake to get stuck in the muck and the mire of discouragement. We cannot quit. Don't you dare quit. Not on my watch. Not on my time. Not as long as I'm at this post. You're not quitting. You're not getting out. You are going to make it. Come on, turn and take somebody by the hand and just tell them you're not going to quit. Come on, take somebody by the hand. Just shake their hand a little bit. Tug on them a little bit. Tell them you're not going to quit. Not as long as I'm around. Not as long as there's breath in my lungs. Not as long as I can get in my car and drive over to your house. You're not going to quit. You are not getting out of the ball game. You're not getting out of church. You're going to make it. Hallelujah. We're not just building walls. We're building people. We're fighting for our families. We're, hold, we're fighting for everything that we hold dear. It's not just brick and mortar. I believe it's flesh and blood that we're fighting for. The Palmer Christian Center, I believe the glory of God, in fact, is at stake for us. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Don't give up on your church. Don't give up on your marriage. I say that again. Don't give up on your marriage. The devil is a liar. There's always hope. There's always hope. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on what God has called you to. Don't give up on your ministry. Don't give up on what God has promised you. What God promised you. Hold on to that and fight for it. Be encouraged today, saints. The Lord is great and awesome. And I want you to join the ranks of those who are on the encouraging side and not on the discouraged side. We need to be Christians who are the glass is half full mentality. I just can't hardly stand being around somebody that's just always, always negative. It just pulls you down. But I love being around somebody who truly has some difficulties, but you'd never know it by the words that came out of their mouth. Always something positive. Always seeing the brightness. Always seeing the best. I want to be like that. We should be like that. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. The spirit of discouragement is leaving you today. The spirit of discouragement is leaving you today. It's stronghold. It's stranglehold for some. It's being loosed and lifted. I want you to bow your heads all across this room. Robert Louis Stevenson told of a ship being tossed by mighty waves. The passengers were very frightened. And they all huddled together deep in the bottom of the ship. After a while, one of the passengers got the courage and decided to go and see the captain. 
He worked his way all the way up near the pilot's bridge. He could see him through the big window. The captain saw the passenger filled with fear, fear written all over his face. So, seeing how afraid the man was, the captain threw him a great big smile. The passenger returned to the others in the bottom of the ship and he said, It's okay. We'll all be fine. I just saw the captain and he was smiling. Are you discouraged today? Are you dealing with discouragement lately? I beg you, look to heaven, see the captain. Huh. Jesus is smiling on you today. And I want to let you know everything is going to be all right. Peace is not found in the absence of trouble, church. Peace is found in the presence of God. And today, His arms are open to all those who are battling discouragement. And if that's you, I want you to make your way from where you're sitting and come and stand all across this front. You're here today and you're discouraged. Come now. I want to pray with you. Our elders are coming. Our pastors are coming. If you're discouraged, financially discouraged, emotionally discouraged, you're discouraged with your family, with your children, with your marriage, discouragement. There are some, and I saw this, the, the Spirit showed me this, there are some, truly, the discouragement has morphed into far more than discouragement. It has become a stranglehold. And it's not just discouragement, it's now depression. Thoughts of suicide have rolled around in your head. Let me pray for you today. Let's pray that God would deliver us and help us to defeat and learn how to defeat discouragement when it comes. It'll come again, I'm sorry to say, but it will. But if we can recognize, okay, the enemy has a plan, this is part of his plan, and get ready for the plan and have our own plan, right? We need our own plan. We don't have to live in discouragement. Some of you need to pack your things back up and get out of Dodge. You've unpacked your things in this, in this land of discouragement. Don't live there. Don't live there. Oceans rise and thunders roar. I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask you also 
I want some to come. I would like a, a, a lady with a lady and a man with a man. There are a couple of actual married couples up here, so maybe there's a couple of marrieds that would come and help me. I don't want anyone standing alone. Don't assume somebody else is going to come and it's okay if there's more than one person standing with somebody. Please, church, I want your help. I'm asking you to come now and help me pray. Please come now. Don't let anybody be standing alone. Don't let anybody be standing alone. Come now. Elders, pastors, I want you to go and begin to pray. Pray for this spirit of heaviness, discouragement, and even depression that some are dealing with right now. Come on, pray the prayer of faith over them. Believe that that is lifting off of them now. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When the oceans arise and thunders arise, I will soar.
and we give you thanks and we give you praise that you are causing discouragement to be defeated in our lives. We loose the hold of discouragement in their lives in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Walk in your liberty. Walk in your freedom. And folks, let me give you a little tip here this is a little bonus for everybody because just because you m might not be dealing with discouragement today there will be a day is that fair to say it's pretty accurate you need people in your life too you need people that you can go to and say I'm I'm discouraged right now of course as your pastor I'm one of those but you need other people as well. I have pastors in my life that I can call and say, I've got to unload this. I've got to unpack this. Because imagine a congregation of our size, people coming to me on a weekly basis with various issues. Now, if I didn't care for you, that wouldn't be such a big deal. I'd just be a, a, a set of ears that would, you, could, you could speak and I'd listen and then I'd dump it out in the trash can, right? But I'm not like that. I care for you. So if you're struggling, it affects me. If you're going through a situation, I get attached to it. So imagine your situation, any, any one situation that, that you might have had or, or will have, any just one. Now look around this room and imagine everybody having that and wanting to talk to their pastor. Lynn, I can't carry all that. And I'm not going to. So I have people in my life that say, I, 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 Debbie, i got to talk to you. I, I have men in my life that I call and say, I have to tell you something. I've got to get this out of me. Now, I don't breach confidentiality. Now, you understand that. I have people in Indiana and, and Nebraska and, and, and Louisiana all over that I can call who don't even know if I, said, if I said Joe Smith, they wouldn't know who Joe Smith even was. We have to have people like that. We can say, I'm so discouraged right now because we harbor and we hold and then it compounds and it grows. Get it out of you. Get it out of you. Do you feel better? You feel better? You should feel better because you got that out of you today. Amen. This is just the real stuff right here. Living day to day, we'll get discouraged. We need to know how to live, how to defeat it. Amen. I want to invite you back tonight. Great, great night of celebration as we baptize some folks and hear Pastor Dave bring us the word. Pastor Dave, why don't you come and just dismiss us in prayer. Love you all.
Have a great, great afternoon. Father God, we thank you for all that you are doing in our lives and our hearts, oh God. We thank you that discouragement is gone in the name of Jesus. We thank you that it's been lifted today, oh God. Lord, we're excited for the future of La Palma. We're excited for the future of the church, God. And we want to commit it to you as we stand in all of your greatness. God, I pray that you'd be with each and every one of us as we go our ways. Bring us back encouraged in you, oh God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.